With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And now. You are listening live. The Smoking Musket Podcast. Bye, guys. Welcome to another edition of the Smoking Musket Podcast. Again, want to thank you for downloading. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, subscribe on YouTube, follow us on Twitter, and like us on Facebook. All the good things. I am David Smith of SmokingMusket.com, Smithfire 13. And tonight, again, returning this week is the incomparable Bart Keeler. You can find him on Musket Barnabas Prime on Twitter, at Bartimus19. Bart, how are you doing tonight? I am glad I'm not in Mississippi. <laughs> I spent all last week in Mississippi. Um, I had a wonderful time in Athens, Georgia, this weekend. I dressed up as Steve Spurrier. Um, well. And, well, he had his head ball coach. <laughs> and I threw my visor a lot, and it was acceptable, which was the best part. As it uh, should. Yeah, it was fun. And uh, I got to take my little brothers to the Falcons game yesterday. The game itself was not fun to... Watch, yeah. But it was fun to take my three little brothers, who are very much younger than I am, to a game and share that with them. That was was nice. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It was. It was fun. How much cookout did they eat? Oh my gosh! So for those of you who are not from North Carolina or states that border North Carolina, they have the restaurant. The actual South. The actual South. Uh, (laughs) Not West Virginia. I'm sorry to say. But I think they actually have one in Huntington now. Cookout is a chain of fast food restaurants that specialize in burgers and barbecue and stuff like that. And they have this deal where you can get, they call it a tray. It's a sandwich, two sides, and a drink for like five bucks. So they each got a cookout tray. And a tray, like your sides can still be, like one of them got a quesadilla and their sides were, was a corn dog. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So they had fun, and then they had then they had milkshakes after. Boom! Uh, so I was the best big brother in the world yesterday. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> what was the most ridiculous like Halloween costume? Obviously, I don't really want to get into what we actually talk about this week. So, what was <laughs> the most fun costume that you saw in Athens during Halloween? Oh man, I was really um, I don't remember a whole lot of the night. Um, what did I see that was really hilarious? I saw a um and I wanted to do this myself but I didn't I didn't know how to do it. I saw someone dressed as a pumpkin spice latte which was, I thought was hilarious. Wow. Um, yeah, that was that was pretty witty. I saw on Facebook someone dressed like they had a Netflix shirt and then they had an ice bag with them so they were Netflix and chill. Yes. One of my and friends wanted to do that. <laughs> I was all about it. I was like, "All right, this was pretty damn cool." I'm for it. It was, yeah, that would have been really funny. I so I dressed as Steve Spurrier, and I also met uh, a, someone being Jim Harbaugh. Um, Please, he actually looks like him. 
which was really scary. Really? And yeah. He kind of, like a little shorter, but he still looked like him. Did he attack Halloween with the enthusiasm unknown to man? No, he did not. That was a disappointing part. But he was an actual football coach and had a real like laminated play call sheet that he used the night before instead of my handwritten pretend head ball coach play calling sheet, which I still think was much more entertaining because it had spider two y banana on it. So, you know, I mean, hell yeah, there you I go. Don't know. Uh, it was it was fun. Nice. No, but the, the pumpkin spice latte was hilarious. I thought that was genius. Personally. Nice. OK, so, yeah, so we should probably actually stop talking about Halloween and talk about what happened last time anyway this week on the podcast we look to recap the tcu game on thursday and then uh preview the big matchup against that's texas tech red raiders thank god we're out of october feels good to be in november but in a uh, part two we're gonna bring on chris level of red raidersports.com to give us a little insight on what's going on in lubbock and after that in part three we will go over the game itself just full preview of the Texas Tech Red Raiders, coached by Ron Gosling. But before then, we actually have to do the postmortem, unfortunately. West Virginia loses in Fort Worth, 40-10 to to TCU. Javon Boykin has a pretty good game. I mean, it was okay, I guess. 32 for 47, 338 yards, three touchdowns, zero picks, 84 rushing yards with one rushing touchdown. Um, that's not a bad day. He I had guess. a pretty good game. Yeah. I mean, honestly, his QBR was 91.4, which isn't insanely great, but that's pretty good for a quarterback. I thought that our defense did a fairly decent job of containing their passing game, which is crazy to say considering they had 386 yards of passing. Yeah. But we did not do a very good job of defending him in things that weren't throwing the football. Yeah. Uh, he, he did a very good job of beating us with his legs, which was not fun. Yeah, that wasn't a great time. That was No, it wasn't. It wasn't good. It was frustrating to watch. Also, we had plenty of opportunities to do things on offense and were unable to do them in one way, shape, or form. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I just don't think... West Virginia just haven't put, hasn't put this whole passing offense thing together. Um, between overthrows, underthrows, and drop passes, like it's just not working right now. I mean, last week on the podcast, we talked about how Skylar Howard needs to play very well to keep within striking distance of TCU. And he ends up going 16 for 39, 116 yards passing one passing touchdown, one interception. Whenever you juxtapose that to Trevon Boykins, three for 47, 338 yards, three TDs, um, you're going to have a little bit of discrepancy, obviously. So yeah. that's not great. Yeah, no, it wasn't. I mean, it, yes, there were some overthrows and underthrows, but, I mean, it was mostly the story of drop balls just all around West Virginia was dropping touchdowns. Straight up Literally, touchdowns. we dropped two touchdowns. We got the ball first. Yeah. This is what was frustrating. We get the ball first, which is kind of what I want to, like, you want to do that against TCU, not because you want to, like most Big 12 teams, score first to get on the board. I mean, you want to do that, but you get to keep them off the field and kind of set the pace and set the tempo. Mm-hmm. We didn't do that, and the reason we didn't do that is because Shelton Gibson dropped a touchdown pass, and then Kevin Durant dropped a touchdown pass. I mean, I, personally, I would say at least one of those were underthrown, but... I, mean, I agree with you. I do not disagree, but they were catchable balls. They were catchable balls. You're right. Four touchdowns. 
and it, but just not to say like you know that Skylar Howard played like played terribly. I mean, there were some passes throughout the game that he nailed, and yeah. I mean there was just one. I mean I know there was one with Durant that he was open and it was for a touchdown and he just drops it. David Sills has a walk-in mm-hmm. touchdown that all he has to do is catch a ball, drops yeah. it. Yeah. Um. I mean West Virginia ran decently well, but I mean it did what it was supposed to do. It opened up the for the big play, it's just the Mountaineers didn't... Whenever you don't, like, I don't know, cash in on the big play, you're yep. not giving the defense a reason yep. to adjust. Well, so they're just going to continue to stop the run. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, and the, the problem, and we said this um, previewing the game, TCU has a depleted defense. The yep. one area that they weren't really that depleted was their defensive line. Yeah. Um, their defensive backs were second or third string. I mean, they got a couple back, but it wasn't like they were at full strength. So those deep passes could have opened up. If, if we make those catches earlier in the game, it could open up a little bit more for us on offense, specifically running the football, which would have helped us control their offense. And that we weren't able to do that. And that started from the very first drive when we weren't catching those deep balls. Yeah. And like, you know, a lot of people will blame like the refs and you know, they were a couple weird penalties. I'm just going to say weird. But that was not the reason why West Virginia lost this game. West Virginia lost this game is because they couldn't cash in on the moments where they Absolutely. really, really, really needed to. And and forty to ten isn't the referee's fault. No. It's not Duke Miami. You know that that's the referee's fault. This was TCU was a better team all around who did things better than we did to this game. Yep. Um, my the key stat I I and I I thought of this even during the game. We only had the ball for 23-and-a-half-ish minutes, which isn't a whole lot when you think about it, especially because TCU had it for 36 minutes, 21 seconds. Now, when you think about that in terms of what our, what I thought are the, one of the keys to the game was, you had to keep Boykin and Josh Jackson off the field. Mm-hmm. Well, they were on the field for 36 minutes and 21 seconds. That's not good. That, not is, uh, that, that, makes them, that gives them a, a very high likelihood that they're going to mm-hmm. do something special. And I thought, I mean, I thought we did a decent job of defending Doxson. He, yeah, he had 183 yards and 11 catches. But I don't know. I feel like we kept him in check while keeping their running game decently in check. Other than Boykin, I mean, Green had 67 yards. They ran for 228 yards total, but 84 of that was Boykin. Yeah. So I don't think that was a bad day defending the run. But some other guys on offense made some plays, and we didn't do a very good job of keeping them in check either. Yeah. Um, I mean, TCU is a very, very talented team on offense by the fact that Boykin set the school passing record in this game. He, uh, for a career, he had like 15,000-some yards, um, broke it during this game. Doxson set a school record for most receptions in a season during this game. He has 68 catches. He had, well, he has more than 68 now, but during that time in the game, I think it was the third quarter, he made his 68th catch that season. Yeah. They've played eight games. That's insane. Uh, no, but that is. That's an insane workload for a guy. So the, the fact that they only scored 40 points is a very good testament to how well our defense played, I think. Yeah, I mean, like, it's kind of weird saying that, like, TCU ends up getting 616 yards and the defense played well. But, def- like, the defense didn't actually – like, they actually played well. There was actually, yeah. like, a time in the first half when TCU – were dropping the balls that West Virginia was dropping at the same yeah. time. I mean, they just could, like, they were not converting for a decent amount of time, and I, I would credit West Virginia for a lot of that. I mean, TCU yeah. ended up going five for 13 on third down. 
That's um, good defense. That, yeah, that's like, there's a reason good. for that. You get but, the team off the field. Yeah, but if you don't cash in on whenever they give you the ball back, it's all for naught. Yeah. And so whenever you keep getting giving the Horn Frogs, like a team like the Horn Frogs, the ball to co- just continue to have tries, um, they're gonna make it pay. And that's whenever, you know, Jerron Poison yeah. ends up getting eight yards per pass and the whole thing. Which is down from his season average, which was nice. But, yeah. um, I, you know, and uh, Dana's hot seat right now is on fire. But in his defense, that wasn't necessarily, hit, like, players got have got to execute. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't do that. Yeah, I mean, like, Dana's You can't go out there balls. and catch a ball. Right. Yeah, I mean, I... It's obviously, you know, it's all up to him. And I don't know, like, people have asked me from other blogs, like, what Holgerson's coaching temperature is right now. I mean, it has to be warm. Well, just look by at definition, it just due to the fact that, like, all the noise that the fan base is making. Yeah. But you can't really tell with pretty much nothing coming out of the AD suite at this point. Well, I mean, Shane Lyons pretty much said, we're not talking about that right now. Yeah. Um, there is some. Uh, for some reason, a rumor that he was flying out to Arizona to meet with Rich It was Rod. dumb. It was dumb. It was All super it was dumb. dumb. It wasn't even founded by anything, but a uh, reporter asked him, I forget who it was, but he straight up asked him, he's like, there's nothing to that. Um, I'm not saying that he, I mean, he, if he's a, a decent athletic director, he's evaluating all of his teams constantly, mm-hmm. and that includes evaluating Dana Holgerson after every game. This loss wasn't necessarily Dana's fault. I'm not saying it wasn't that he's completely not to blame, but... When you have guys not catching the ball, uh, that's not good. You're putting them in um, a position to succeed. So, here, but here's the question that I did want to ask you about this though. Everyone was kind of talking about this, so my, we might as well. Um, Travon Boykin just goes and jukes out like four of our players and gets a first down. I think it was towards the end yeah. of the fourth quarter, and Horgerson's just standing right there and gives him a high five. Yeah. Your thoughts? <laughs> uh I'm all for congratulating players when they make a good play. I'm the guy, like, I have little brothers, I said, they play youth baseball and football and basketball. I'll be the first guy in the stands to tell a kid on the opposing team he did a great job. If you make a good play, you make a good play. However, to give a kid a high five, and it's one thing if you were to, you know, just give him a pat on the butt or whatever. That's something that, you know, coaches do. You just say, hey, good job, get back out there, whatever. A high five is a little more enthusiastic than I want to see. Mm-hmm. However, Boykin did do something really special there. Yeah. <laughs> so, of all the problems we have, that is not a problem. Yeah, I mean, I would just. Yeah, <laughs> That's just I, I, I mean, I guess I don't. I don't know. I think he's just kind of in the game and. Yeah. You know, whatever. I, I, do I want to see him have a high five? No. Is it a ba- coaches congratulate other players all the time for making good plays? Yeah. And what do you do when you have a guy like Trevon Boykin? who can make the magic happen. I mean, that there were several times in that game that I felt that he had Heisman-like plays. Oh, yeah, it was definitely his Heisman reel. You know, his Heisman reel definitely He put together, it, so. yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and when you're a coach for someone like that, you have to, I mean, if you're a coach who loves and studies football as much as Dana Holgerson does, you have to recognize greatness when you see it. And Game recognize game. Yeah, I'm not mad at him for telling – I mean, Boykin was great. What do you do? Yeah. Get mad at him for saying stop being so good? Like, I mean, I, I see yeah. the argument where if, like, your guys are out there, like, working their asses off to stop this guy and they 
just pretty much just got embarrassed by him. Yeah. Like, they probably don't really want to see you going and high-fiving him. But, I mean, that's just kind of how Holgerson is. And, yeah. like, someone was kind of trying to make, like, the argument, like, you don't you don't see, like, Bo Schembechler or, like, Woody Hayes doing that stuff. Well, that's... you saw Woody Hayes, like, punching the guy and choking yeah, the guy. Yeah, so... you know, I mean, that was also... They started a different time, thirty to forty years ago. Right. I tell you what, though, you'll probably you could. I mean, I guarantee there's some clip out there that Pete Carroll probably gave somebody a high five yes. during the game. I don't have a problem. I mean, again, I maybe a high five is too enthusiastic, but if you expect a coach to not be able to say to another player, especially in the college game, when you're trying to teach these kids sportsmanship and teach them how to be better men, right. if a guy does something great, you say, "Hey, you did a good job." There's nothing wrong with that. I, I I could also see how it probably doesn't look great whenever you're, it doesn't look great, but well, on your, whenever you're about to lose your fourth game in a row, right, right, the suck, right, right. But I don't think anything looks I think that good whenever you're on a three no. game losing streak, working on your fourth. That's and that's the only reason why his seat is so hot. We've lost four in a row. This is the second time we've lost four in a row with Dana Holgerson as our coach. Yeah. The good news is okay. So. This was something I was looking up today because I was talking with my dad about, you know, who are the best undefeated teams in college football. We're looking at the strength of schedule and we're trying to figure it out. We have the second toughest schedule in the country right now, according to um, teamrankings.com, this Mm -hmm. website that I happen to find. They have a formula to kind of show who has the best schedule. And Tennessee is number one with a rating of (laughs) 11.9. And we're second with a uh, rating of ten point eight. And Tennessee is four and four. We're three and four. So I think if uh, Tennessee also gave this game away, <laughs> Tennessee did give a couple games away. But, but the point is, I, I see we're playing it's a very tough schedule. We're not. Yes, we started off three zero, awesome against teams that were not that great. We're zero and four against it. Really, in games that matter, your conference games are what matter because that's how you. I mean, the bulk of your schedule is conference games. We have mm-hmm. nine of them each year. And the way you win a conference is to win your conference games. Um, so the fact that we're 0-4 in the conference is not good at all. And the fact that we have five games left to win three games to become bowl eligible is a little scary. Yeah. If Say, like, if you just mixed up the, the schedule and just, like, I know that the playing games, like, the sequence that you play them, it matters. It does matter. It does. Playing it does. three or four on the road is brutal and we all right. are aware of this like that we, we that's played three works. top rank i mean they're top 15 top 20 teams in this month of october mm-hmm. three of them were on the road arguably and one of the toughest places to play in um gaylord family stadium out in in norman oklahoma mm-hmm. and arguably another one of the toughest places to play out in amon g carter in fort worth those are outside of maybe texas just because there are a hundred and one thousand people there it's a library just saying. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I understand. I mean, believe me. Lubbock is actually a, probably a harder place to play. Right. I would say, the yeah. Po- I mean, these these places aren't easy. This is not Nippert Stadium. Boom! Take that, Cincy. <laughs> By the way, I got to see Southern Miss's campus and saw their stadium, and it is literally right in the middle of campus. Like, they have, like, a block of the road, like, the city of Hattiesburg. I stayed in Hattiesburg. And um, the stadium is literally right in the middle of campus. It's kind sick. of awesome. Yeah, yeah. it is. Um, but my point being, we played a really tough October. Thank goodness that October is over. But now we hit 
November. Yeah. In, and uh, the narrative thing, about yeah. Dana Holgerson. One thing that has to happen, I mean, I I don't want to say West Virginia's game on Saturday is a must-win, but it's kind of shaping that way. If West Virginia loses this Texas Tech game at home, going on a five-game skid, and need to go four and one to become bowl eligible, or well, I guess that would be three and one to become bowl eligible. Is that correct? Yep. Come on, like, I, I I'm not saying I don't see it happening because it's possible. It's college football, but this team has not shown me outside of the Maryland game any real desire to win a football game. Well, I, I mean, I, I don't know if they don't have the desire, but I don't think the offense okay. is just there yet. The offense hasn't shown me any real... Yeah, the evidence spark. isn't there on offense, or at least on the passing part of the ball. Yeah. Yeah, and 4-1... And and I mean, heck, we're, we're, we're asking them to do, go 3-2. and two. That ain't easy either. I yeah. mean, at the beginning of the, state, of the season, you kind of chalk Kansas and Iowa State up to wins, but... Iowa State's two and three in the conference. Just beat they just picked up, yeah. just beat yeah, just beat up on Texas. Beat up on Texas, by the way. Kansas is Kansas. I, I if we don't beat Kansas, Dana doesn't even. I mean, there's no question. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. It's just not going to happen. But um, yeah, you got to beat Texas Tech at home and a noon kickoff. Yeah, get them get them coming and and have a weird start time because you know maybe the the. For some reason, the the time change makes a difference for us because we've done pretty well in noon kick in noon kickoffs at home. We beat Oklahoma State in a noon kickoff a couple years ago. Um, that seventy to 30, 63 game against Baylor was a noon kickoff, so we've done all right at home in noon kickoffs. But Texas Tech is pretty good, and we'll talk about that. And we will we will preview that. But yeah. I mean, but first, that's, you want to get through the uh, the Big Twelve headlines, I guess. Yeah. In the Big Twelve Conference, when we say one true champion. We mean it. All right, Big 12. Oklahoma State wins in Lubbock. Stays undefeated going 8-0. They win 70-53. to They win 70-53. to What? We told you this was going to be a fun game. I don't know what more you want from us. Good Lord. That is ridiculous. It- Oh my goodness! I don't know how I don't know how to break this game down to you because this, this is game why, had thirteen hundred yards on offense. This is why people don't like Big Twelve football. Yeah, or why, people, why people love, people Big, love 12 Big Twelve football. Yeah, <laughs> this is the poster child of Big Twelve football. Yep. Uh, Oklahoma State had one hundred and eighty-four yards rushing. They didn't rush the ball all that many times, mm-hmm. which. If you watch the game and if you kind of listen to some of the breakdown of the game, like I did, really Oklahoma State should have gone to the run a lot sooner in the game. And had they done that, I think we would have seen a less close game. And I think that, you know, we would have, I think Oklahoma State would have really been able to hold Texas Tech at bay. Now, my point is that maybe that's a key that we can make. But Oklahoma State, 184 yards rushing on Texas Tech was the reason they won the game. Yeah, I mean, of course, the big narrative to come out of this is that Oklahoma State survives Lubbock and continues. They're undefeated. Yeah, 8-0. Just sticking around there. I, I'm kind of curious to see what the uh, the committee puts them at with the playoff coming out on Tuesday night. But, I think they'll um, stay the fourth best. I think they'll be the fourth best Big 12 team. Well, excuse me, third best Big 12 team. I think I still think Oklahoma's a better team. 
records don't matter as much to the playoff committee, mm-hmm. but it's kind of like, obviously you have a group of undefeated teams right now yeah. that are pretty good, that are going to be debated on their strength of schedule. So you've got Ohio State, who I think will end up being pretty high up there, mm-hmm. but you've got Oklahoma State ranked 12th in the AP poll. I think they're going to have to be higher once the uh, the college football playoff poll comes out. I just I think they have to be because they're eight no. They've won games that you wouldn't have expected them to win. Mm-hmm. They they have a better strength of schedule than some of the other undefeated teams. Looking at you, Iowa and Ohio State. <laughs> um, that's got to mean something. Sure. I don't know. Yeah, it's got to mean something. Also coming out of Lubbock. Patrick Mahomes, we're going to get in him later on in the show, but he throws 38 for 55, 480 yards passing, four touchdowns, two picks. That's a lot of yards. It's a heck of a lot of time to throw. That's a lot of attempts for a quarterback. Yeah. He also um, rushed 11 times and ended up getting yeah. a touchdown. And DeAndre Washington is going to be somebody that West Virginia's got to focus up on. He gets 22 yeah. carries, almost 100 yards with a touchdown as well. So, yeah, I think... I mean, the Texas Tech offense is able to put up points, which is bothersome because West Virginia can't, but we will definitely get that into part two and part three. Moving on from Lubbock. I mean, oh man, which one should we talk about first? Let's get into the first beatdown because this was not as um, surprising, but Oklahoma goes to Lawrence, Kansas. The battle of the schools who say their initials backward. Correct. And <laughs> That's amazing. Good stuff. Good job. Keep going. Oklahoma just routes Kansas sixty-two to seven. I don't really know what the storyline is from this game, other than Oklahoma's good. Yep. Kansas is not good. Yep. I don't think that there's a whole lot more you can say. Yeah, I think he saw um, that there. <laughs> uh, I, we're gonna move on to the much more perplexing Big Twelve matchup. From this Real weekend. quick, I just I did want to say about that is um. Uh, Baker Mayfield gets up getting four touchdowns and Alex Ross gets 100 yards on the run and Samaj P. Yes. gets 90 yards on the run with two touchdowns. So looks like they're they're still they're they're figuring it out. I'm I, like I said last week and I continue to maintain this point. Oklahoma is the team that will end up deciding the Big 12 spot in the college football playoff mm-hmm. in one way shape or form. And why Oklahoma State will get number 1. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> No, I still like the story that Oklahoma runs the table, makes the playoff, goes and wins a national championship, and still loses to and Texas. only the one loss to Texas. <laughs> oh, my God. All right, so last game on the Big 12 slate, Iowa State wins at home against the Texas Longhorns 24 to nothing. You know what? We haven't used the Texas like this is sound the time for a long time. To break it out. Yes. Oh, the dinner bell. I haven't heard it in forever. Tyrone swoops, throws for 59 yards. Jod Hurd throws for 26 yards and a pick. Not great. What the hell happened? Iowa State goes and fires their offensive coordinator, Mark Mangino, and then Who is not a... He was a head football coach at Kansas, and they did well underneath. Like, yeah. I would not have expected that they... I mean, granted, they only scored 24 points. Let's not get crazy about their offense. They also put up 400 yards on Texas. They did put on up a lot of yards against the Texas team that is supposed to have a good defense. 
That's I mean Charlie Strong doesn't like to give up a lot of yards. Mm-hmm. And holy cow. Everyone in college football thought that Texas was about to make like we thought that under Charlie Strong they had make their turn, made their yeah. turn and they're going to and then they do this against at I mean I know it's at Iowa State and they've got that brand new 63,000 seat renovated stadium. You're kidding me. 24 nothing Texas. Come Not on. Good. And then after the game evidently Charlie Strong goes and cusses out his coaching staff. So that's a good time. Yeah. yeah. Probably deserved. It, well, yeah. But yeah. Uh, they only pass for 85 yards. Mm-hmm. If you're in the Big 12... What are you doing? You can't pass for 85 yards. You can pass for 85 yards in the first quarter. Like, first possession. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, seriously, though. that They rush for 119, which isn't great for Texas. They want to run the ball more. But only 85 yards passing. And Iowa State, I mean, they ran the ball for 238 yards, which mm-hmm. scares the ever-living daylights out of me. Yep. Because that's a lot of – 32 carries for Mike Warren. That's yes. incredible. Freshman Mike Warren. But Joel Lanning, who's I think in his second start. Yeah, he's a, he's a sophomore, and he, I think this is his second start. They didn't ask him – 19 for 37. You know whose numbers that looks like? <laughs> Skylar Howard. Yep. 188 yards, a touchdown, no interceptions, but similar numbers, but his team gets the job done. That's crazy. I don't know I don't know what to make of this game, honestly. I don't think Iowa State's that good, but clearly firing Mangino and putting in landing as the quarterback helped. And then I Texas mean, just Yeah, I I think I know like I know a lot of stuff happened with Iowa State this week and I'm very surprised. I mean, you never know what's gonna happen whenever you I guess addition by subtraction. Yeah. But I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised also if Texas just thought they were going to walk in and beat the hell out of them and thought they were just full of like full of themselves after like probably figuring it out. But yeah, so this Iowa State game looks a lot more real than it did before and West Virginia's road to bowl eligibility got a little bit harder. So that's that's, that's no good longer news. a gimme. Yeah. Like so. people kind of tend to chalk it up to be. Yeah, and I always kind of wondered now, like, I mean, does that mean Paul Rose is going to keep his job after this year? Let's not get, I don't know. He, they're 2-3 and three in the conference. It's better than us. Yeah, that is. At uh, the bottom. We're not at the very bottom. Luckily, well, I guess Kansas is 0-5. And, and they don't have as many actual wins or other wins than we do. Oh, but, that's um, true. But, they're, yeah, they're 2-3 and three in the conference, 3-5 and five overall. Yep. And they're sitting right there at 5th. They're, I mean, really, they're right behind. They're tied with Texas, technically. For, they're slightly ahead of them because they beat them. Mm-hmm. But they have the right, tiebreaker over Texas. <laughs> yes, they're right there behind the Big Four. They're yeah. right there behind. I mean, Oklahoma State, TCU, Baylor, Oklahoma, then Iowa State, then Texas, Texas Tech, Kansas State, West Virginia, and zero and four. And Kansas runs out the Big Twelve standings at zero and five in the conference, zero and eight overall. Gross. So that is not a nice table to look at no it's um, not next part two we will bring on of red chris level to give us a little bit of insight on the next game against the red raiders and then part three we'll come back on here me and bart will give you the full preview of the texas tech red raiders bart do you have anything else to say before we end up with part one no i'm good I have nothing left to say about that game. I have nothing left to say about the TCU Horn Frogs. <laughs> All right, stick around. We're going to move on to part two. Punches. 
Alright everybody, welcome back to part two of the Smoking Musket podcast. As you all know, the Mountaineers will host the Texas Tech Red Raiders on Saturday in Morgantown at noon on FS1. To preview that game, we have on tonight of RedRaiderSports.com and co-host of Tech Talk on Lubbock Sports Station 104.3, Chris Level. Chris, we really appreciate you coming on with us tonight. David, thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate you uh, asking me and looking forward to being up in uh, Morgantown this weekend, for sure. Absolutely, it should be fun. It's going to be probably a little bit colder than where you're used to West Texas. But then again, I'm not... I'm not too sure. What what is the weather like down there? Like like right it's, now? Is it- I, I, well, we we probably uh, you know it's, it's probably not quite as cold some of the time as it is uh, where, where you guys are, but uh, we see plenty of uh, snow and ice and all that uh, all those shenanigans in West Texas. But it, it's uh, this week it's mainly mid sixties, you know, seventies things like that. So it hasn't cooled off just quite yet. That's not too bad actually. It's it's yeah. pretty mild here too, but it's coming. Oh. Yeah, no, no doubt, no doubt. <laughs> but Chris, let's get started off on the offense here. When you talk about the Texas Tech offense, you have to talk about first about Patrick Mahomes. He came onto the scene last year against OU as a freshman. Ends up throwing for almost 400 yards, four TDs, and a losing effort to the Sooners. Last game of the year last year, throws for almost 600 yards, six touchdowns in a very close game against the Baylor Bears. Now through nine games this year, he leads the nation with over 3,000 yards passing, and the Red Raiders are leading the nation in passing offense and total offense as well. What does he bring to the Cliff Kingsbury-Eric Moore system that other players before him might have not? I, I think the thing about Pat is that, you know, you ask about what, what's different um, about him compared to other guys is that he, he keeps plays alive. He extends the play. He's not a dual-threat guy per se because um, he's not looking to run. I think in, in Tech's past, you know, they haven't had dual threat guys or guys that would look to run. Now he will do that, but I think where his where he's at his best is is when maybe something is not there and he just kind of keeps the play going and extends the play and you know you can only cover guys for so long and then he finds some guy standing over there wide open all because of his ability to kind of move around in the pocket and and things like that and he's you know again he's going against better personnel he will be this saturday against west virginia and he has with the oklahoma schools and baylor tcu certainly have some different pass rushes and, and those have caused some some problems but that's the one thing that that you almost have to have in, in college football today is a quarterback that can maneuver around and make things happen but uh yeah i mean i, I think that we were expecting big things from him this year and he certainly uh, provided some some good moments, but uh, you know he's still young. I mean, he's still this is what tenth or eleventh, twelfth start, something like that. So he's mm-hmm. still kind of getting things figured out. But yeah, he's uh, certainly got a bright future ahead with two more years after this one. Yeah, and you mentioned like you almost need like a dynamic quarterback to stay competitive in this conference. And with that, you pretty much need also just as good quality talent on the outside as the West Virginia fan base is finding out for a successful passing attack. Who are the usual suspects that Mountaineer fans are going to need to look for for whenever Pat Mahomes is going out there running out and just kind of looking for somebody? Does he have any particular favorites that he likes to go to? Well, I, yeah, I, th- I think he does. I mean, I, I don't think he would say it that way, but I think he, yeah, he leans to his two inside receivers probably the majority of the time. Uh, Jakeen Grant and Ian Sadler. You know, Ian Sadler is his roommate, and Ian is just one of those guys that, you know, you're going to hear, you know, the Danny Amendola, the Wes Welker, the Eric Morris, and all those, all those smallish slot receivers that have come here. They're 
have had NFL careers and all that stuff, uh, but he, he's kind of the next guy that I think a lot of people have high hopes for. And he's just a sophomore, and he's just now kind of getting back uh, healthy uh, after missing a few weeks because of an injury. And then Jakeem Grant, you know, he, he's he's actually a couple hundred yards away from being Tech's all-time leading receiver from a yardage standpoint, which is shocking uh, to say that because I just I think he gets forgotten about a lot of the time, but. Uh, He's, uh, you know, a kickoff returner, just a, a bit of a freak in that, you know, he can start and stop with the best of them. And I don't know if you guys saw his his catch and, and run last week against uh, Oklahoma State, but it was, you know, he catches the ball on the five-yard line, ended up at the Oklahoma State five-yard line and ran probably, I don't know, 150, 160 <laughs> yards sideways and all that. And those are probably your, your primary targets. And then, and then you start talking about the two running backs that are that are really – um, you know, they, they utilize both of those kids, uh, DeAndre Washington and Justin Stockton, out of the backfield a lot in the passing game as, as well as handing it to him. Yeah, absolutely. And you were just mentioning DeAndre Washington. And I have a lot of questions about him. It seems like he has a very interesting career whenever it comes to his time in Lubbock, uh, the senior running back for the Red Raiders, that is. And, I mean, it feels like he's been there forever considering West Virginia and TCU came into the conference in 2012, and he's been there since 2011. So he's the old man of the program, I guess. So, uh, how do the Red Raiders use him in this system to maximize his impact on defenses? He has been around here a long time. He, he's going to be missed big time when he's when he's gone. Um, he's been through it all, um, and and I think you know Coach Kingsbury would tell you he's probably been the most consistent guy they've had maybe on the entire team all year long. He just he's steady Eddie. He's a rock. Even when they don't play well, he's getting his. You know, and it's not. You know, I mean, it's not necessarily spectacular runs, this and that. He just gets it done. He, he's very north-south, and he's got some some wiggle to him. But I, I think the one criticism of him coming into the year was he just didn't get in the end zone enough. You know, I mean, he had 1,100 yards last year. I think he only had two rushing touchdowns last year. I mean, think about how hard it is to run for 1,100 yards, <laughs> as many points as this school typically scores, and you only get in the end zone twice. So that was one criticism I think people had is, you know, it needs to be a little bit better in the red zone. And this year, he certainly he certainly figured out a way to do that. He's got an end zone a ton on the ground and and on you know screen passes and things like that. So that's the one thing he's finishing up strong is he's he's getting home if that makes sense. And uh, yeah, he will be he will be missed. And he could be the first running back. I think he just needs about uh, 50, 60 yards, and he he'll end up with a thousand yards, I think. And that's the first time of back to back a thousand yard seasons here since Byron Hanspart. Wow! So that, that that's a name that some may remember, some may not know. Uh, but in Tech, I mean, he was a Doak Walker guy, and that was mid nineties, uh, since ninety five, ninety six. So yeah, elite skill players. I think uh, some of these Tech guys for sure, and Jakeem and DeAndre. Yeah, and right now, listener, you're listening to part two of the Smoking Musket podcast. We have on Chris Level of RedRaiderSports.com and radio personality all around West Texas. I guess that would be the best way to do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, I, I, I tell you, it's funny. They, they work me pretty hard this time of year because I do, I do a daily show here in, in Lubbock on, on the flagship for the uh, flagship station for the, for the football team and everything, or for the tech, I guess. And then I host uh, Coach Kingsbury's radio show. Um, and then uh, then do a little sideline analysis for the for the radio broadcast. So we we travel with them and all that. So it's a busy busy time of year, but a fun time of year. Just uh, that's why I say that no bye week is is no fun for us broadcasters either. It'd be nice yeah. to nice to catch your breath a little bit, but because uh, it's it's been a grind for sure. 
Yeah, I could absolutely understand that. So, Chris, let's switch, switch over to the defensive side of the ball here. From afar, for the normal college football fan, at least for the people that are listening here, they might just focus on the Mountaineers. So it's hard to get a good grip on the Texas Tech defense, really, considering you have the whole better offensive teams face more defensive possessions thing. So it ends up skewing all the metrics whenever it comes to the defensive side of the ball. On average, it looks like Tech gives up about 40 points a game, but it's really hard to say that whenever you play TCU, Baylor, OU, and OSU on your schedule. Um, West Virginia fans know that all too well at this point. So, personally, how would you describe the quality of the defense under first-year defensive coordinator David Gibbs? Yeah, you know, David, I would tell you that they're not they're not great. I mean, I don't think anybody's going to try to tell you that. I mean, some of that has been because you know they haven't had a you know a break. Some of it has because of like you just said, who they've played. Um, I mean, it's this has been a beatdown. I mean, to be honest, and and Tech is they're they're used to struggling on defense, so it's a it's a bad culture from that standpoint. And I think David Gibbs, who is the first year coordinator from the University of Houston last year he's trying to change that and I think the one thing that he has done with this group is that last year they were bad okay and, and some of the similar numbers that you're seeing this year the, the one change though that he's got is they, they do mix in a few stops a few more stops on, on occasion but he's creating takeaways they mix in a couple of takeaways per game give or take and and that's been a big difference and that they were just bad last year, but there was no turnover there was no takeaway to you know to, to help out the offense or to create an extra possession or two for your offense. And this year they're starting to mix some of that in. Um, and, and that's, that's one been the one big difference. And actually, it's actually a pretty old group, you know, the front seven. I mean, they, they've got a bunch of seniors on the front, you know, on the front seven. I mean, Pete Robertson was the big 12 sack leader last year. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and so, you know, they're, they're not real big on the back end. And that's been a problem as you're going against Josh Doxson and Corey Coleman. These guys, you just don't have any size or speed to try to compete with, with some of these cats. But, uh, you know, it's been a struggle. And so it, it, it gets compounded by who you play. But I think that's the one thing that Tech fans have been okay with is that, okay, we'll live with some of this, but you're creating some takeaways, which we didn't have that last year. And they knew it's going to be a process trying to get this uh, this group turned around. So, yeah, a bit of a mixed bag for the defense. But that, nobody should tell you that it's a, it's a good group or anything like that. No, they've struggled like most defenses do in this league. Sure. You mentioned the front seven, and one of the things that I've kind of always noticed about Texas Tech, I could absolutely be wrong about this, but the rushing defense has just just not been there. And whenever it came to the beginning of the year, I thought they had fixed it with Arkansas not being able to run at all, but now it looks like Arkansas just isn't what they were last year. The only team that really is known for rushing that Tech has faced is Oklahoma, where Samaj P. Ron, Joe Mix, and Alex Ross have themselves each a day, combining for almost 400 yards and seven touchdowns on the ground. So, with West Virginia averaging around four yards per carry and Wendell Smallwood averaging around six yards by himself, West Virginia's serviceable running game, but it's not necessarily explosive. So... Is the rushing defense a problem for the Red Raiders, or is the passing game effective enough to keep a decent running attack that's not necessarily explosive at bay? Well, well Tech won't be able to stop Wendell Smallwood, you know, or Russell Shell, or whoever they hand it off to, Cold Turkey. It's not going to happen. I mean, it's you know, they they may have some success on some plays, but but you know, I, I would guess Smallwood will, you know, have some success and and. You know they'll be able to go to that aspect of your, uh, you know, of what they want to do. I, I guess if, if you will, and 
you know, I, I think they'd love to be able to say, we're not going to allow you to run it. We're going to force Skylar Howard to have to throw it 30, 40 times, you know, but that that's easier said than done and probably not going to happen. Um, but, but, you know, I, I think that the, the, the worst game that they played all year was that one in Norman. I mean, those two kids are playing on Sunday, Mixon and, and P Ryan and, you know, that, that's a 235-pound back and a 225-pound back. and Those guys were just scary good, and they had a good game plan. And you got guys in position to make a tackle, and it's either either they just couldn't or didn't want to. <laughs> uh, for, for standing there on the sideline, being up close and seeing those big guys running at people. Um, yeah, you can't and, hardly and blame so, them, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, no, no. And, and, they you know, they had some mild success with guys like Shock Linwood and 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 Aaron Green, you know the the, the kids from uh, Baylor and TCU, but mm-hmm. even they had big days. It's just, again, they're just not built to stop people, and and that's that's what you know where they where they really struggle is they'll they'll do well, do well, do well, and then here comes a sixty yard play or something like that, and that's why you know Tech will be hoping to get in the shootout, if you will, you know, I mean, not 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 hoping to, but you get what I'm saying, like if as long as their offense is doing okay, they they are used to these kinds of games. Um, and so that, that'll be the, that'll be the, the big deal is if their offense is really struggling, you know, if they can't keep up or, or, or get out in front or anything like that, that's where it'll really start to compound the problem if West Virginia is, uh, successful running the football. But yeah, Small was a good player and, um, he, he'll certainly have some success. Okay. Yeah. And lastly, both of these teams need a win. It seems like I would say, you know, just arguably West Virginia probably needs it a little bit more, but, uh, Texas tech would definitely use it. Um, how do you see this game going? It's a noon kick in Morgantown. I don't know exactly the weather, but I'm sure it'd be noon. It's probably not going to be that bad. I don't know. Like, what is your feel on this game? How do you see it going? That's a great question. Uh, I would tell you that if tech starts the game off fast and plays well early, They'll be in this game for the most part, I think, uh, you know, for into the fourth quarter, into the second half or whatever. If they start slow, it could be a long day, you know, and uh, it, it's – I don't know. I'm I'm trying to figure out this football team still, I think, it, and, and I'm sure you guys are too because it's hard to, you know, because we're both trying to figure out who's the fifth best team in this conference. And I don't right. think anybody knows it. And I don't know if, if the two teams that are playing in Morgantown on Saturday are, are – are the fifth best? Are they the sixth best? Are they does Texas belong in that conversation? I don't know. And it's it's you're trying to figure out how good you are, but it's hard to know when you're comparing it against some of the top teams in the country, which is what we've seen in the last uh, two to four weeks. And so um, I, I, I I would tell you that if Pat plays well, Tech will be fine. If he doesn't, if he if he there's some turnovers there, West Virginia will win this game. That's just kind of the way this team is built. And, you know, if, if DeAndre Washington gets going too, then, then I think the Tech will be more than fine. But, again, that, that, all, that hasn't been the case sure. uh, to get it all going and to take care of the football. So it's, it's a, And I think there's a healthy respect for those senior linebackers that West Virginia's got um, and, and just, just kind of a senior-laden group on defense. That, that's a, um, the, the, the commentary you're going to get out of Cliff and, and Eric Morris and guys like that is, this is a group that hits hard. They tackle well. They don't blow assignments. Um, and, and, you know, and, and Pat's not Trevon Boykin. He can't, he can't necessarily run around and do all the crazy things that Boykin can. He can, he can look similar at times, but not, and he certainly does not have a Josh Doxon out there. So that's why, you know, it makes you a little nervous if you're a tech fan going up there because you know, West Virginia is a tough, tough place to play. Absolutely, yeah. Just kind of a side thing here. I was really surprised whenever West Virginia came out as a seven and a half point favorite. How do you feel about that? 
Yeah, it didn't, probably didn't. I mean, it didn't surprise me. I, I think people look at this is probably a. Sometimes it's about uh, sometimes it's about where you play people and all that. But but this may be a, a bad time to be playing West Virginia. You talked about you know sense of urgency and all those things. And you know, I think the Tech fan base is certainly grumbling and they're very irritated that they haven't. You know, they, they were five and two. Now they're all of a sudden five and four, and it's it's not going well. And you're trying to figure, you know get that sixth win, seventh win, eighth win, and all that stuff. And it's just been a struggle. And, and, and yet, you know, here West Virginia is, it's played two games fewer and, um, and, and they're, they're just trying to get a win after the solid month of this stuff. So, um, I, I don't, I don't agree with the way either schedule was laid out by the league. I think the league kind of screwed these, these teams that weren't expected to finish well, if that makes sense. You know, sure. it's like we, 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 we think we know who's going to do well. Let's backload their schedule and make it easy on all these schools, the front part and, you know, schools like West Virginia and Texas Tech suffers for that, and that's not necessarily fair. But welcome to the welcome to the Big Twelve Conference, and <laughs> things aren't necessarily fair at times. But uh, yeah, that that's that's been a you know a struggle. But but being a seven point underdog, you know, I think Vegas is probably understands that it's it's bad timing for Texas Tech to be going in there right now. Chris Level, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for taking the time. We really do appreciate it. David, appreciate you having me on. Look forward to it, and uh, really uh, glad West Virginia's in this league. And uh, always love my time uh, up there. And I will see you guys this weekend. Perfect, listeners. We'll be right back to finish our our full preview of the West Virginia Texas Tech matchup in part three of the Smoky Musket Podcast. Stick around. Out in the West Texas town of El Paso, I fell in love with a Mexican girl. Nighttime would find me in Rose's Cantina. Music would play and Ferdinand would whirl. Welcome back to the Smoking Musket Podcast. This is part three, and we are looking ahead at the Mountaineers game against Texas Tech this Saturday. That's November 7th. It's a noon kickoff. We play finally back home, two weeks on the road, finally back home in Milan Pushkar Stadium. West Virginia's three and four. 0-4 in the Big 12, sitting at 9th. Texas Tech, 5-4. 2-4 in the Big 12, sitting at 7th. Smitty, we're done with October. Yeah. We were 0 for October. Correct. That was disappointing. Yeah, very much so. And I think the big question that this team has to answer is how good is this team actually? Or are we going to let October stay with us? Uh, I mean... I... First off, there was a lot of talk going into this game, or at least going into October. Just everyone's just like, we just try, should just get one win, or like try to do as well as we can coming out, and then the schedule will get a lot easier once we get out of November or October, go into November. It's not like Texas Tech is going to roll over and die. Like, absolutely, not. they're a good team. They gave Oklahoma State a game. They gave TCU a hell of a game at home. I don't, I'm not even sure TCU deserved to win that game. No, um, they didn't. They ended up winning on just, like, an insane play at the end. It almost actually ended up losing on an even more insane play that could have happened that ended up actually just not happening, referring to very much the uh, the kickoff, uh, the almost run back that actually Miami actually went ahead and did it, sort of, kind of. Not necessarily all legally, but what are you going to do about it? Not at all um, Yeah. <laughs> but... I, I don't know. I mean, the thing is about Texas Tech is that, yes, they put up points. They average about 47 points per game. But, I mean, their opponents average 43. Um, they give up roughly somewhere around six yards to carry. 
Yeah. That's ridiculous. That is that is the key to this game, and I don't yeah. want to get into that too soon. We have to be able to run the ball well. That's all there is to it. But here's the question that I have for you. Yep. With Texas Tech and Pat Mahomes playing so, so well, Pat Mahomes already has 3,300 yards, 25 touchdowns on the season. Um, yeah. And it's not like, DeAndre, like they can't rush that well. DeAndre Washington has almost 1,000 yards on the season, and Pat Mahomes also has eight touchdowns rushing. So they do give you a little bit of the rushing as well with yeah. throwing it in the air. My question to you is, with West Virginia being pro- most likely going to be able to run the ball on Texas Tech at home, that shouldn't be a problem. I hope not. My question for you is, is West Virginia going to be able to return the long-distance strikes that Texas Tech is going to be able to put up? Because I'm going to say probably Texas Tech gets like 28 points, 31 points. Is West Virginia going to be able to match that kind of score on the ground? Um, no, not entirely on the ground. No. Okay. But if we can get two, three touchdowns on the ground, which I think is possible, um, then we'll be we'll be fine. I think if we get two touchdowns rushing from Wendell Smallwood or whoever else wants to run the ball in the end zone, Shell maybe, you know, and get a buck. If, if Smallwood can have a breakout game and get two touches, get um, a buck 50 plus on the ground by himself, yep, we've got a really good chance to win the game. I'm not saying that's the only way, like that's not going to mean we win the game because no, we're not going to be able to beat them just by running the ball. Yeah. We're going to have to be able to throw the ball. The good thing is, as you said, they like to give up points. For sure. Nothing about Cliff Kingsbury's teams in Texas Tech and Lubbock have been defensive. Cliff Kingsbury loves scoring on both sides of the ball. And you can take that however you'd like. I think he, yeah, he likes scoring. Um, (laughs) Just in general. When I look at the, yeah. Sorry, go ahead, continue. (laughs) When you look at the the common opponents to pull out a uh, college football playoff committee Mm -hmm. term, but you look at the common opponents, they went 0-4 against the same teams we went 0-4 against. That's right. Their wins are against Iowa State and Kansas. So again, this comes back to my original question of, is our team going to be able to turn it around and just accept the fact that October sucked and we played a really hard schedule? Or are we not that good? And it, I, it comes down to, can Skylar Howard make a couple throws that make our team just that little bit better? Is he going to be able to throw for a couple touchdowns? Is he going to be? I mean, he's got to he's got to throw for at least three, in my opinion. And that's not necessarily like that's not a whole lot. It's yeah. The number one, absolutely, you're right. And two, that's not necessarily just up to him. No, some people have to catch. People the ball. have to catch those three touchdowns. Yeah. <laughs> I. It's hard to say because I'm not disappointed, and well, I am disappointed in how this team has played, but I'm just confused because I don't know which team is going to show up. Because we have a team, in, like our defense has played outside of the Baylor game. Our defense has still played pretty well. Mm-hmm. Even the Oklahoma game, the reason we gave up a lot of points is because we turned the ball over. The yeah. reason we lost Oklahoma State was because we turned the ball over. We lost to TCU because we couldn't execute. So our problems aren't defensive. They're offensive. So if no, we we're not hold, saying like the, the defense has play, been playing perfectly. No, no, no. Let's not say this. But this is the Big 12. The point, the right. goal is to slow people down. And we, our defense, even in the Big 12, has proven to do that. But even with whenever you slow down Texas Tech. They're still really fast. 
Yeah, and like they're they're explosive enough that this is going to happen. Yeah, like, you are going to get scored on, and you have to accept that. But can we keep the can we keep them under thirty? I don't think so. Can we keep them under forty? I think a lot of that depends on how well the offense can play. Because as uh, as we talked about with TCU, the reason we gave up seventeen points in the first quarter is because our offense didn't do anything. Yeah. So if our offense can put drives together, finish drives, we'll be fine. I think we'll win at home if we can finish off. Let's not fumble inside the red zone. Let's not have the interceptions that we throw on our side of the field or in their side of the field. I have questions for you, and it comes to the ramifications of this game. Yes. Number one, do you think West Virginia wins this game? I do. Okay. I do think... you think they cover? Cover? The, the, the spread is seven and a half for anybody, if we have not mentioned that yet. Spread is seven and a half. I don't think we cover because I don't think I don't think Texas Tech. I mean, they they haven't really gotten blown out in a game. Mm-hmm. They I mean they're they're going to give up points, but I don't think that we're going to be able to slow them down. We're not going to be able to score that many points. They're going to give up points to us. But we're not going to be able to score that many. So I think we're looking at two teams scoring in the mid thirties, mm-hmm. and I think we beat them by a late touchdown or a field goal. Okay, that's fair. Um, if West Virginia does not win. What happens? Well, we go 0-5 in the conference. Yep. It'll solidify West Virginia going 0-5. West, West Virginia will need to go 3-1 yep. against, what is it, Texas at home? Texas at home. Uh, Iowa State, mm-hmm. Kansas, Kansas State. To become bowl out. Or, excuse me, uh, Texas, Kansas, Iowa State, Kansas State, in that order. I'm Like <sighs> I said at the top of the show, I don't know if this is a must-win game. Partner. But... Kind of feel like you really need to do it to give yourself a chance. If you don't do it now, if you don't do it now, you're not setting yourself up for success in the future because this is going to sound stupid. When all you're doing is trying to win a game, you're too, you're not focused on the details of the game. Right. So, if you're you're so focused on winning the game, you're not going to actually play the game. (laughs) Right. So that now, granted, that could also work with if you're so focused on winning the game, you're so focused on every single play, executing every play properly. I don't think that's gonna be. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, it could go either way. But I agree with you that we have to win this game in order to, for a momentum standpoint too. It's hard to go zero and five and and then somehow just pick it up and run with it and go, you know, four and zero or three and one to finish out a season. Yeah. Now, this is my secret to the game, and you and I have had this conversation, and I know you love to laugh at me when I say this. Go ahead. But one of the things that I've noticed about Dana Holgerson playing at specifically at home, when we have a kickoff that's later than 3.30, yep. we tend to lose. God damn it. <laughs> so are you telling me we're going to win this game because it's at noon? Yes. God that damn is it. exactly why I'm saying we're winning this game, because it's a noon kickoff, and that's why... That's, I, I think that's why we win, because it's a noon kickoff. I think West Virginia loses, and we start having really, really hard conversations. I don't think they're hard conversations if we lose. Wow. I mean, I don't. that's an argument. I, I mean, uh, I like Dana Holgerson as someone who I have mingled with, someone who I've interacted with um, in a somewhat more professional environment. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely like the fact that he has embraced the state yep however just because you really like west virginia doesn't mean you can really lead west virginia into the promised land in the big 12 
I mean, I like West Virginia. I love West Virginia, but I'm not going to be able to say, hey, we can, you know, I, I can't go grab a headset and somehow we win nine games a season. Because honestly, if you don't win this game, you're basically guaranteeing if you make bowl eligibility, you're only going to be six and six. Yep. If you win this game, you've got a chance for a seven and five season, which is respectable, especially if you say, look, hey. Considering what the situation we're at right now, seven and five would be a fantastic. Seven and five, we could go eight and four. Really, we could go eight and four, and we go, hey, look, our four losses were against at Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, at Baylor, at TCU, and you go, they're that good. Yeah. And if that's the case, then I think that proves to me that we were a good football team, what we saw in the first three games. And then just that when we played those other four teams, they were that much better than we were. So I think this game does set up the narrative for the rest of the season regarding Dana Holgerson and his ability to coach him up in Morgantown. Yep. He also, I mean, I think this game is more about Skylar Howard than anything, too, because he played decently last game. Not all those things were his fault. People have to catch the ball. Yeah. Um, so if we can get that to connect, if his throws can connect with his wide receivers finally, I think we'll score some points. If West Virginia, if West Virginia doesn't score points in this game, they're going to lose. Yes. That just period. And I don't mean like obviously like of course you have to score points to win the game. Like I don't mean like literally. I mean like they have to score a decent amount of points to keep up with Texas Tech, period. And so, like, if we're looking at, like, I don't know, 17 points in the fourth quarter, West Virginia's losing this game. Well, you saw what happened against Oklahoma State when we only gave up 33 points. Yeah. You know, I mean, since we beat Maryland, our highest point total was against Baylor. (laughs) And we lost 62-38. But, I mean, maybe that's what we can do against Texas Tech. If we can put up 38 against Texas Tech... That's pretty good. Yep. We got we 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 can win a ball game with that. Honestly, I would take the offensive performance from Baylor. Yeah. Just copy and paste it into the yeah. Texas Tech game. I think we win. Yeah, because I don't think Texas Tech is as good of an offense. Baylor's offense all. is that good. Yeah. But we've I mean, I think our defense has proven that they're a legitimate defense that can especially in the Big 12 because our defense is set up with a very good defensive backfield. Mm-hmm. And in the Big 12, you throw the ball a lot. So if you can just have guys who can make a play every now and then, you know, if you throw the ball at them five times and they stop it twice, that's still better than most Big 12 defenses. Um, and that's what you're going to have to do with this game because Texas Tech has some pretty good talent mm-hmm. with Mahomes. He's not on as great of a team as he would like to be, but he's a really good quarterback and he's going to make some good throws and he's going to run. So, yeah, we've got to score points. Yeah. He, <laughs> there, there's not going to be the opportunity to say, okay, we squeaked out a win. Uh, because we, you know, this is not going to be a defensive battle. It'll come down to our defense making a few stops, but maybe they're tired too after doing all that stuff against against Oklahoma State. Maybe that's what we're going to hope for. God, maybe so. maybe Mahomes is like his arm is hurting. I'm hoping anyway. That'd be the well, the wonderful hope. You want to move on to preview the rest of the Big Twelve slate? We can do that. All right, let's do this quickly because I think we're we're already we, pushing a good are. bit of time on this podcast already. We are. Well, the rest of the Big Twelve slate. Thursday, November 5th, number two ranked Baylor Bears, 7-0, 4-0 in the conference, travels to Manhattan to play K-State. They're 3-4. and four. They have not won a Big 12 game yet. This is at 7.30 on Fox Sports 1. Baylor is favored by 17. Your thoughts? Only 17. Fair. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> that's what, sorry, Boom. that's what you're getting. <laughs> 3.30. 8-0 TCU ranked 5th right now. 
This is a very fun game. On Fox, they go to Stillwater. Take on also 8-0 Oklahoma State Cowboys. The line is five in favor of the visiting Horn Frogs. Your thoughts? So this is kind of the this story. This is the fun that, one. This is a fun one. But when you look at the – we just played the tough gauntlet of the Big 12. Well, now all those four teams are about to play each other, and that whole one true champion thing is about to maybe actually come through. Because this is the first game that we're going to see these two teams go at it, you know, from the big four right now. Yeah. I want to say that Oklahoma State wins because it's in Stillwater, but TCU has the best player in the conference and maybe the third best player in the conference. Mm-hmm. So with that said, I, I can't pick against TCU. I just can't. I think Stillwater is going to be nuts. I kind of wish this was at 7. Oh, I know. The 3.30 game is a disservice to you yeah. Cowboy fans out there, but it'll be fun. It'll still be rowdy. Either Whoever comes out of this game, in my opinion, at least at this point of the season, is the Big 12 favorite. Oh, absolutely. Um, absolutely. That's in my opinion. I think if Oklahoma State is able to prove themselves against TCU, then I think everyone's going to start seeing them as an actual contender. Um, I know a lot of people had them like as a dark horse, but... Uh, I mean, it, there's like there's a reason why TCU is five and Oklahoma State is twelve, at least in AP right now. Right, which I mean, we'll see what the college football playoff puts them yeah. at. But. Yeah, if TCU ends up beating Oklahoma State and Stillwater, there's still going to be some doubters just because it was Oklahoma State. But oh yeah, um, I think there would be a legitimate case for Baylor to get jumped by TCU in the next ranking if they. Beat well, Oklahoma we'll see State where the right. college football playoff puts. The ranking puts Baylor and right. TCU. But I agree with you. If TCU is behind Baylor and then goes to Stillwater and beats Oklahoma State, they would have they are, they're, they're, they're yeah. going to leapfrog Baylor. Yeah. Ha! Got him. That was unintentional. That was great. Yeah, that was great. That was fantastic. <laughs> Way to go. 7 p.m. in Norman. The number 14th ranked Oklahoma 7-1 invites the freshly beating Texas Iowa State 3-5 on ESPNU. Oklahoma is favored by 24. Do the Sooners cover? I don't think so. Um, only because Iowa State's past two games, they don't look terrible. Um, I mean, they lost to Baylor 45-27, but Baylor's good. Mm-hmm. They only gave, I mean, they only gave up 45 to, to Baylor. So I think they can put up a similar number against Oklahoma, and I think they can score more. Against, I think they can score against Oklahoma with um, landing in his third game starting. Yeah. I think it'll be somewhere around like 45 to 31, but that covers. So, oh yeah, I think Iowa State covers. Boom. Uh, 26 is a lot of points. That's, That's true, yeah. Last one on the Longhorn Network. <laughs> 8 p.m., the winless Kansas Jayhawks travel to Austin to face the 3-5 and five Texas Longhorns. Texas is favored by 29. I do not see them covering. I don't think they can score that many points to be quite just honest. period in general <laughs> i don't know I mean, yeah <laughs> that's a good point um, it's, it's hard to cover a spread unless kansas figures out a way to score negative points no 29 points is a again that's a big line i think texas scores 20 points but kansas yeah. scores negative 10 points so they cover oh okay <laughs> <laughs> i think it, honestly though it might be like 28 to 7 maybe 28 nothing I mean, it, it, that could happen, but it's I, – I, it depends on which Texas shows up. I don't know. I don't know what Texas is doing anymore. I don't know. Hopefully they have the bad maybe, – maybe they're going to play their good game this week. Mm-hmm. 
and then they get their bad game against yeah, us the next week. That would week. be not terrible. I don't know. That's just it's it's weird. Is it, did we cover it? Is that it? Do you want to make a score prediction for our game? No. Um. Yes, but no. I think West Virginia has to score. I think this game is going to be in right around like the 34-31 area. I just don't know who's going to win by that field goal. I would not be surprised if this goes in overtime. Mm. And that tends to not favor the Mountaineers, yeah. ironically. Not ironically. Considering he's at home and it would be in overtime. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then again, it's a noon game. It's a noon game. I think you said 34-31. I think that's safe. Yeah, but I don't know which one, which way it's going. I think we lose. I have us winning 37-31. I think that we hold them off for about... I don't see our offense scoring 37 points against an actual team. <laughs> Fair point. I think we can do it. I think we can do it. I think we, I think we have like 28 points going into the fourth quarter. Okay, well, okay. How about this? They could score 37 if the defense scores a touchdown. Okay, that's fair. Or forces if our defense is force defense forces two turnovers, mm-hmm. I think we'll score I think we can definitely score 37 or higher. But like I said, we got to get a couple rushing touchdowns. Howard has to throw for two or three and it would be nice if our defense can force some turnovers. Right. Which we haven't really done a whole lot of this year. Just um not saying that's the only thing of that uh, we've had that problem, but I mean, I think like, I think it's thirty-seven, thirty-one. Yeah, outside of like the first two weeks, but yeah, yeah. against real teams. Um, yeah, thirty-seven, thyone That's my that's my prediction. That Boom! Would be. All right, I think that wraps it up here for the Smoking Musket podcast. Uh, thank you again for listening. We want to thank again Chris Level for coming on with us from RedRaiderSports.com. Really appreciate it. Yeah, so uh, Bart, do you have anything else to say to the fine people of West Virginia? You know what? If we lose at noon, you can take a nap and start partying after the game. That's a really good point. It's hard to argue against that, really. That's what I do. Good work. All right, guys. Um, that's it for this week. We will come back next week, and soon, soon we will have the basketball podcast. Soon. We promise. Soon. Also, real quick, just want to mention that the basketball scrimmage is on Friday against Glenville State at home. Just throwing we can make it out. And uh, West Virginia's women's soccer team won the Big 12 conference again. Yes. Uh, That's four in a row, and we're ranked number two in the nation. And we will be playing um, at noon Eastern on Wednesday. And if you're at your desk at work, you can watch it um, on the Big 12 network. So just go to, like, Big12Sports.com and look for it there. Support our girls. They're, they, they're pretty good this year. Go ears. Go ears. All right, kids. That's it. Thank you again for listening. Thank you for downloading the whole thing. We will be back next week with another edition of the podcast. But until then, have a good week. And bye, buddy. Hope you find your dad. See you later. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. 
That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.